0: A CAGR, a compound annual growth rate for the next several years of something like 50% for what they call accelerated computing chips that go into AI. That's pretty explosive growth.
1: He will tell us where he is finding it on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track.
0: Funding provided by Clearbridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Baird, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and women investing in security and education.
1: Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. When Bill Gates, Microsoft's co-founder, calls a technology revolutionary, you have to pay attention. In his Gates Notes blog from earlier this year, he pronounced, the age of AI has begun, writing, in my lifetime I've seen two demonstrations of technology that struck me as revolutionary. The first time was in 1980 when I was introduced to the graphical user interface, the forerunner of every modern operating system, including Windows. The second big surprise came just last year. In September, I watched in awe as the team from OpenAI asked GPT, their AI model, 60 multiple choice questions from the AP Bio exam, and it got 59 of them right. GPT got a five, the highest possible score. I knew I had just seen the most important advance in technology since the graphical user interface. Gates went on to write, the development of AI is as fundamental as the creation of the microprocessor, the personal computer, the internet, and the mobile phone. It will change the way people work, learn, travel, get healthcare, and communicate with each other. Entire industries will reorient around it. Businesses will distinguish themselves by how well they use it. Well, this week's guest has been investing in different forms of AI for 15 years and agrees that AI is transformative technology, just now hitting its inflection point. This week's guest is Michael Lippert, head of technology research at Barron Capital and portfolio manager of the firm's High Growth Barron Opportunity Fund, which he has managed solo since he joined the fund in 2006. The gold-rated Barron Opportunity Fund focuses on identifying, quote, undeniable and powerful underlying secular growth trends, disrupting industries, and driving significant growth opportunities, and invests in companies with, quote, durable competitive advantages, cash-generative business models, and double-digit multi-year projected annual returns. What Lippert calls growing faster for longer I asked him to assess the growth potential of artificial intelligence from an investment point of view. How big a deal is it?
0: I think the growth potential of artificial intelligence is significant. Um, I think it's a transformation. I think it's what we call a platform change. And you can think of platform changes as going from mainframe computers to going to PCs, to going to the Internet, to going to mobile. It's really hard to know exactly what the size is because we're so early on. And when we think about sizing it, we think about the impact it will have on applications or use cases that we have today. For example, Microsoft just this week rolling out what they call Copilot across Microsoft Outlook to help you summarize an email or draft an email. And this is, you know, only their first shot at it, right, at the product. It will continue to iterate and improve. As we've basically seen in the era that we live in now, you know, the Internet or the cloud era, things, you know, every time you sign in, the application that you're using, whether it's as a consumer or as a business person, gets better. So the one thing I will say is it reminds me, honestly, of the early days of the Internet or the early days of, you know, the iPhone. Um, you know it's going to be big, but exactly how big, it's really hard to say. Because I was even talking to one of my colleagues today, and, you know, everyone used the metaphor of innings. We were kind of laughing, like we're not even in the first inning yet. We're kind of in warm up, so that's how early we are. But you know, we, what do we have? We have you know a couple of data points. So let me give you a, a few. For example, um, Nvidia just reported earnings and gave guidance for the forward quarter. Wall Street was looking for roughly seven billion dollars of total revenues, and they guided to eleven billion. So beating Wall Street by not a couple of hundred million, which is amazing, or you know, ten percent. But beating Wall Street by something close to 50% by, you know, $4 billion. I say the other thing is, um, you heard this from uh, the CEO of AMD, who mm-hmm. um, they'd like to be the number two player. Yeah, um, advanced with Micro call- Devices, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Advanced Micro Devices against NVIDIA. You heard this the other day from uh, TSMC, uh, Taiwan Semiconductor Management Company, who... Um, you know, in Taiwan, manufactures these high-end chips, and both of them talked about, you know, a CAGR, a compound annual growth rate for the next several years of something like 50% for what they call accelerated computing chips that go into AI. That's pretty explosive growth.
1: Mike, you did a piece recently on artificial intelligence for Barron Capital. It was it was very instructive, and it really helped me learn more about this new technology. Um, and I just want to let our viewers know that uh, that it's available on Barron Capital's website. And also, we will provide a link to it on our website, wealthtrack.com. Microsoft is, is a major holding of yours. I think it's your largest holding by far. You own NVIDIA. You own AMD. And, and you told me in a prior conversation that basically, you've been investing in AI for the last 15 years.
0: We... Uh called it big data, which was the, the term of art for a number of years, then uh, I think we switched to uh, artificial intelligence. I think for a while it was slash big data slash AI. Um, just as things have evolved and you, you know, when you're communicating to your shareholders, you wanna talk in the way that they're gonna hear and read. Um, basically, you know, the march has been a- an advance in computing, but when it started as big data and even the first stages of AI, it was really to access your data better. More intelligently, more targeted, um, to make sure that you are learning. And you know, for business people, for businesses to make smarter decisions: who to hire for a salesperson, who to call uh, for an HR person, uh, who to promote, for example. You know, for, for consumers, you know, the use cases, of course, were so many different things. Like on Spotify, what song should you listen to next? That was from what they call a recommender system. Same thing on Netflix, the same thing when you were shopping on an e-commerce site like Amazon. So this was the early um, use cases and applications of AI. Another famous one, of course, which I'm sure we'll talk about is you know, autonomous driving, Tesla's autopilot, also um, tra- train based on AI and utilizing basically machine intelligence, right? The, the robot, is dr- computer is driving the car, you're not. Um, and, and again,
1: Tesla, one of your top holdings has been for many years.
0: Correct. And so generative AI is, you know, almost the ability to, you know, generate an answer in different ways. So the answer obviously could be words, um, you know, summarize an email or summarize an article um, you know, draft my quarterly letter. Um, write a poem. <laughs> you, we've seen some artists write songs. Um, another use case right now, which is you know one of the early ones that's been well adopted is um, helping developers write software. So you're actually generating something. We've also seen movies, we've seen pictures. I, I would say that's the main difference. The, the second advancement is you know these LLMs large language models, are frankly even better at digging into your own data to come up with, with better answers. And when you think of language and, you know, Jensen Wong, who is the CEO of NVIDIA, he said this, right? So you're now allowed to, um, to talk to a computer, program a computer using the English language. But you think about other use cases such as, you know, healthcare, um, DNA sequencing, proteins, they're just another language that uh, these systems will help us um, basically translate, unlock, and um, hopefully really, you know, help humanity when we think about using AI for designing better drugs and treatments.
1: How are you going to invest in, in this kind of this new frontier of this advanced artificial intelligence?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, throughout my career at the firm, Barron, I've been here 22 years. You know, Ron founded this firm 40 years ago. Um, you know, we used to have some different ways of describing it, but We really invest in big secular trends, secular themes. I've called them in my letters, yeah, generational shifts. And these are things that are going to last for a long, long time. When ChatGPT um, basically stunned the world with its public release in November, we were frankly well-placed. Microsoft, um, who is a part owner of OpenAI and a major beneficiary, of uh, a Chat GPT and GPT-4, the LLM that they've you know now developed, um, Nvidia, whose chips um, these systems are built on top of, particularly for training, they were two of the biggest positions in our portfolio going you know into the year, or actually at the end of last year, and um, we were massive you know beneficiaries of that. And you know last year, for example, you know the market decided that we were going into a recession. We obviously went through the fastest interest rate increase in 50 years that had an impact on multiples, particularly tech multiples that are considered to be long duration stocks. Um, And we added significantly to companies like NVIDIA, like AMD, some other semiconductor companies, understanding the shift to what we call accelerated computing, understanding that AI was gonna be a, a big future you know workload and application, but you know honestly, we we had we we knew about generative AI, but we didn't have a call on you know the so-called iPhone moment of ChatGPT. Um, you know since that happened, we've been drilling down in our research to really try to figure out not just which companies can put out a press release or you know talk about a product that they're going to release, but really trying to focus on the reality of this: who are going to be the beneficiaries, who are going to be the losers, which one do we have question marks on? Um, you know, In the piece that we put on the uh, Barron website that you talked about earlier, we laid out what we call the layers of AI. Um, from semiconductors um, to the data centers or cloud computing um, systems to the models themselves to the data, to the application, to the end users, to really try to figure out where we thought um, the most value. And so at several layers, we do think there's a lot of value, but but it's different.
1: So who may fall behind, and and you address that uh, in in a couple of your your reports, uh, one of them being um, Alphabet, the parent of Google, which used to be one of your largest holdings, and I guess it's it's uh, it it is no longer in the top ten at any rate, according to yeah. my
0: yeah, yeah, we, we did decrease uh, our our weight in, in Google, and I'll tell you the balance that we made for why we decided to uh, to keep it. So you know the one thing I said the the critic critical ingredient um, for differentiated AI is data. And honestly, I mean, I'm not sure there's anybody with truly better data than Google. They know every search that we've done, you know, they, 90% search market share out of China. So every search that we've done for at least the last 20, 25 years, um, what we do on the internet with Chrome, um, you know, what, what we do using their email and other services, they have an, an enormous amount of unbelievable data. Right, but they're also an incumbent with a fantastic search business. Again, 90% market share outside of China, and all of that's going to be challenged because I do think, you know, the consumer will one day not go to search as it is today, but will go to a chatbot um, for information, for planning a trip, for shopping. Um, will Google be that place? Maybe. Will it be? you know, ChatGPT individually or will it be ChatGPT through, you know, BARD, which is Microsoft? It's just so hard to know right now. And, you know, we did, you know, scenario analysis. Let's say even Google wins, but they own two thirds market share in a new world versus 90% market share. And it's so early to know what the monetization will be, you know, of AI. And we know the costs are higher. That we just thought that there were just you know different risks, where you know Google went from being you know pretty practically an effective monopoly. I hope the antitrust folks don't listen to me on that one. To <laughs> oh, I'm you know sure just being are. yeah to just being in a much more you know candidly challenged position. And I don't think that um, I haven't concluded that they're not going to be a winner. But again, two thirds market share is different than ninety. And so um, we decided to keep Google um, but decrease our weight in our portfolio. That's what the, the judgment we made so far.
1: You also told me that, that last year in the, the market decline, that one of the, the biggest changes that you made, talking about disruptive technologies and where the you know, growth uh, lasting longer uh, was semiconductors. So you've increased your, your weightings in semiconductors. So talk to us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, so for, for many years, we've been an investor in the space. One of the best company visits I've ever had in my career um, was sitting in a conference room with Jensen Wong at the whiteboard explaining um, accelerated computing, AI, NVIDIA's differentiation, their entire ecosystem to us. It was really a, a highlight moment of, of uh, my career, and all my colleagues that were with us uh, um, say that. So, we've been an investor for a, a long time. We've been investors in other semiconductor companies also for many years, but you know. I was underweight that space um, as we got to the fall and all the work that we're continuing to do on NVIDIA, on uh, cloud computing, on you know the so-called end of Moore's law and an age that was dominated by the Intel's of the world to the you know the, the new age of accelerated computing or parallel processing. We knew that there was something really going on there and that the, the long-term you know secular theme, yes, with the ups and downs of the cyclical, was. The world is going to need as many semiconductors as they could get for a long time. Um, but the market often you know, gets myopic and we went, you know, we haven't hit the recession yet, but a lot of uh, technology, software, cloud computing, semiconductors first started hitting the recession last year. And so all these stocks traded down. And we, we just took advantage, you know, you know based on our, our, honestly, our fundamental work. And of course, then the prices of these stocks. Um, we took advantage of that opportunity to significantly increase the weighting in our portfolio. So, you know, the three I called out in my quarterly letters are just probably our three biggest weights, and that's NVIDIA and AMD, which I discussed. Indy Semiconductor is a company that went public through a SPAC that was a little black mark against them, but we've been investors since that public offering. But we've also had investments in companies like Marvell, um, which does the networking, um, a company called Empower, which does the power management. I'm sure I may be <laughs> forgetting one or two other, but the, uh, oh, ASML, which does the lithography oh, for sure. making the advanced chips. Those are some of the investments we've made across the semiconductor space.
1: As far as artificial intelligence is concerned, among your you know, top holdings as well are Amazon and Meta, which are of great interest to many of our viewers because they own them. But how are they beneficiaries of, of artificial intelligence?
0: I think both companies will be beneficiaries of AI in, in major ways. For Amazon, for some simple purposes, let's just divide it in two. Um, they're obviously the dominant you know, global e-commerce retailer. And think of the data that they have on you and every other consumer about how you shop what you want, if you buy A or you're more likely to buy B, already today using AI for recommendations of what you should buy. I said earlier that you know having the right data is critical to AI. Right. I also think the way that we shop will change. And Amazon, of course, has to innovate on this. But you know, one day, there will be a chatbot or the like that you will go to on Amazon. Rather than doing a search, you will start talking to Amazon about the kind of products that, uh, that you want. Um, You know, I need, you know, shorts for my kids. My kid is a youth large and he loves soccer. Please show me a set of shorts, and they will. The other side of the business is, of course, the cloud computing business. I've said that I do believe AI workloads will be built on top of these cloud computing platforms. Amazon today is the largest platform. Um, Right now, maybe um, Microsoft Azure has the lead in AI, or at least that's perceived. But we know uh, Amazon is doing lots of things in that area. For example, you know, developing their own chips to deliver, you know, great computing and networking to their customers, um, delivering their own lang- large language models as well as other large language models that you can have on their platform, and the so-called other tools to build these workloads. So I think they will be a major competitor to have AI workloads on their platform. You know, Meta, you know, Facebook, Instagram is is not dissimilar. I mean, they have enormous amounts of data from having, you know two plus billion global users who basically interact with them every single day. So whether it's what content you know to show you, um, it's what they're doing on their messaging platforms, including WhatsApp, uh, for you to engage with retailers and businesses, and using AI um, to suggest the right things to you and for you. Um, We know they're competing with TikTok and what's called Reels, you know, short-form video. Again, knowing what to show each person is based on AI. And just this week, um, they, quote-unquote, open-sourced their own model um, and, you know, announced a partnership with Microsoft, for example, where that model is going to be available on the Microsoft Azure platform. But they will make that model, you know, available on other platforms. And, you know, if you are building your own use cases on uh, the meta model you you will you know have to pay them one day when you roll out enterprise workloads and um, you know the other thing that they've gotten a lot of criticism you know for is the so-called metaverse um, I think they've right sized um, their investment in that but when you think about the future metaverse and the important role um, that generative AI is going to play and how you interact with it what you see on it you know future games or future content I think it's really important
1: and you know Tesla. Is one of you know your major holdings as well, and again has been for a long time. Autonomous driving, you think, is is a major disruptive technology.
0: Autonomous driving has been built on AI, machine learning, for years. Um, even what we call today, which is you know ADAS, which are you know basically driver assistance safety systems that most cars have. Um, these are computing systems that are basically being trained by computers. They are a form of AI. So getting to, you know, what they call level three, level four, ultimately level five autonomous driving, which is, you know, the human being doing less and less to one day the car, you know, drives itself is frankly, um, probably one of the most challenging AI workloads or developments, honestly, in human history. Tesla just had their conference call. There was lots of talk on, on AI and, you um, you know, Elon talked about a number of things that you need, and two of the things that he talked about are what we've been talking about in our session today, data and compute. Um, you know, Elon is rolling out um, Tesla's own in-house developed chip they call Dojo, but he also joked on the call that, um, you know, if I could get more chips from NVIDIA and Jensen Wang, I would buy up as many as I can, and that our future training systems will utilize both chips. And when it comes on the data side, um, Nobody has the real world <laughs> driving data um, that Tesla has. And by improving their compute, they'll be able to train their systems you know, faster than anybody.
1: How much does Twitter matter to Tesla?
0: Yeah, I, I frankly think it, it matters um, you know, very, very little. Let's, let's be real. What, what Elon's been able to do with multiple companies is I'm not sure there's a lot of precedent for it. Um, and when you think about, for example, just take SpaceX, which we are investors in, and Tesla, Um, you know, what they've been able to do. So you you don't have to guess it, you don't have to predict it. Yes, sometimes he lays out schedules for when they're going to have autonomous driving or full self-driving that they haven't met. But think about what they've already done today with, you know, I mean, Tesla today has the best-selling electric vehicle, the best-selling car, not just electric vehicle in the world, in the Model Y. And anyone that drives these cars knows how incredible they are. On SpaceX, no one else has ever landed a rocket from space. That used to be science fiction. It's a reality. There's somewhere over a hundred in a row. I mean, they are 80 or 90 percent of the payload to orbit this year. So these are real things that they've done, and he's been able to do both things incredibly well. And yes, if it was only a lot, would I be worried with how he's splitting his time? Because it's right. almost, you know, inhuman to do all of that. But but no, he he has lots of really really good people.
1: One investment uh, for a long-term diversified portfolio.
0: I'm going to pick two, if you'd allow me. I would pick Nvidia and I would pick Tesla, which we talked about a lot today. And I've always kind of joked about, you know, that, that we try to look at where the world's going. I'm a sports guy, and I quoted Wayne Gretzky, who he was asked, why is he a great hockey player? You're not big, you're not strong, you'd have a great slap shot. I skate to where the puck is going. I've always loved that line. and. Um, Honestly, it it is undeniable where the world is going in terms of AI, the type of compute that we need, which is called accelerated computing or parallel processing, Um, NVIDIA is, you know, the most important company there. What, Not 90% only chips. market
1: share? Is that right in, in these particular in chips? In these chips today, e- even yeah. if AMD
0: carves out and others carve out 20, it's still going to be 80 growing, call it 50. I think it's yeah. pretty amazing. And they have a, a whole other ecosystem, including software products that, you know, are, are It's just scratching the surface. That Wall Street doesn't even know what the software numbers are. And I think they're going to be significant for NVIDIA going forward. And when you think about AI, I will be retired when we're, you know people are still having you know Wall Street talks about the impact of AI, and I'd say the same thing is true of what's going on in the automotive space. I mean, number one is EVs. Um, I truly believe that one day no one will drive a, what they call an ice car, internal combustion engine car. All will be EVs. I think Tesla will be the leader, not the only, but they will be the leader. Um, autonomous driving is obviously another major trend which we've talked about. And I'd say the last one is what they call shared mobility. Elon calls the robo-taxi. Today we think of it as, as Uber. And I, you know, I wonder whether in the future, people, all people or as many people as today will own a car, um, but they you know, still want mobility, but they will subscribe to miles on somebody's network. And their cost per mile to travel around will be much, much less than it is today. I don't want to overstate it, but I think most people think about them like, yeah, they're kind of undeniable trends. And I think the two companies that I talked about are uh, clear in a way the pioneers and leaders against these trends.
1: Michael Lippert, thank you so much for joining us once again for a fascinating conversation on WealthTrack. Thank you. At the close of every Wealth Track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's Action Point picks up on a theme of Mike Lippert's, that once he has made the well-researched decision to invest in a company, he generally stays with it. The same applies to individual portfolio decisions. So this week's Action Point is stay the course with your investments. As Vanguard's founder Jack Bogle famously wrote in one of his terrific investment books, Common Sense on Mutual Funds, I've said stay the course a thousand times, and I meant it every time. In one of Warren Buffett's wonderful annual letters to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders, this one in 1990, he described his and business partner Charlie Munger's approach. Lethargy bordering on sloth remains the cornerstone of our investment style. So many wise investors, having learned from hard experience, have counseled that market timing doesn't work and that sitting tight does. Sound advice to follow. Well, next week, choosing the right mutual funds, Russ Kindle, Morningstar's mutual fund Maven, will tell us how to do it and what's in his personal portfolio. In this week's Extra Feature, Michael Lippert talks about what he loves the most about his job, what keeps him motivated. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us. Have a fantastic weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.